And now out of reverence for the word of God, would you, uh, who are physically able, would you stand for the reading? It comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and this is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." This is the word of the Lord today for you, his church, and may it remind us yet again that rest is not found in a place, it's found in a person, and may we find it in our God this day. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I've shared with you before that I, on most days, uh, I read at least two, if not three, newspapers And I do that, yes, to stay up on current events and things that are going on in the world so I know what's happening globally and also in our community. But I also do it because I just find human beings so fascinating. Reading newspapers is an endless source of sermon illustrations. You just can't find enough. And I found one recently when reading different stories about the nation of China. Now, I don't want to get into global politics and economics, but there's a lot that's being said in the media lately about China, about some military aggression, about their economics, about communism, about their president, about the oppressive nature of that culture in some ways. But what you kind of sometimes read, if you read a little farther, is one of the dynamics of Chinese culture is the emphasis on work, the value of work, and how that becomes a central part. Everyone has to be productive in order to be successful, you need to be someone who works. And so it's a culture that has created a way of being that has very little white space, very little margin. And what you come across every once in a while is the increasing suicide rate in China because of the number of people who are working 100-hour work weeks or more every single week. There is such pressure, there is such burden on people to work and work and work that there's actually a resistance movement that has sprung up in the last six months. There are people who are now rebelling, they are resisting this way of life in Chinese culture and the name of the movement, it's a Chinese word that I can't say, but the word means lie flat. The resistance to a culture that has no room to rest is a movement called the Lie Flat Movement. In the leading Chinese business magazine, a woman writes an article and she's writing to a Chinese audience and she says this, in today's society, and I can't believe the government would actually allow this to be written, in today's society, our every move is monitored and every action is criticized. Is there any more rebellious act than to lie flat? Now, for them, it doesn't just mean lying flat. It means resisting a culture that never gives them space to rest. And I think it raises for us 
questions about our own way of living, about American 21st century culture. I wonder how many of you came in here today and you felt a sense of weariness and fatigue. I know that my Christmas Eve message, the title was Weary World Rejoice. And on Christmas Eve, we were in the middle of the pandemic and we were whipped. We were so tired, but now we're in this different season, an emerging season, but I don't know that we feel any more rested than we did back in December. There's a weariness to us that I still feel, and it seems to speak to us of how we often choose. In American culture, it seems like when left to our own devices, we're going to fill every minute with 60 seconds of work or activity. And in so many ways, I think the pandemic actually did us a favor, right? I know that nobody, none of us wanted the pandemic, but God can use all things for his good. And one of the things that happened was he slowed all of us down. Business people who used to travel all the time, they came off the road. You didn't have social gatherings. There were no events. You didn't go anywhere. So you had all this free time. And as someone said on my Facebook page, I don't think we emerged from the pandemic as biblical scholars because of all the time we spent studying scripture, right? I think that's true. We did a lot of other things with our free time. But now as we emerge into a new season, a somewhat post-pandemic season, we have choices to make. What of what we learned in that season will we take forward into our new lives? Will we build a way of being, both in our spiritual lives and our personal lives, that allows for this wonderful thing called rest? And as we consider it, as we look at coming through the summer and when school starts again and everyone comes back, how is that way of being going to exist in our lives? And it's right in that moment when by no uh, coincidence today, but by divine appointment, we talk about the fourth commandment. God says what? Remember. He says, remember the Sabbath day. Why do you think the commandment starts with that word? Because he knows that you and I as human beings are so prone to forget it. We wanna busy ourselves. We wanna be so active. He says, remember this principle, this concept of Sabbath, and I know some of you right now are thinking, oh gosh, here comes Swanson with the guilt trip on worship attendance, and now we need to come more, and it's gonna be this burden. No, 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 no. Remember last week what I said, that we wanna see the law through the lens of the gospel, and that God is a loving parent who gives us commands because they're the way of life. It actually gives us freedom to follow his commands because he knows us. And he knows people that not only do we need rest in terms of sleep, but we need rest in terms of faith. And yes, in the Old Testament, the observation of the Sabbath day, it had 39 different laws in Jewish tradition. And each of those laws had so many other sub, sub points about how you had to keep and follow the Sabbath. It was enormously burdensome, but we're no longer under law, we're under grace. One of the principles that Jesus gives us. And so I want Sabbath observance to be something that is a blessing to you, not a burden. And that in keeping it, you find the elusive thing that you know your heart wants, that the people of China knew instinctively that they needed. And so how did they rebel against busyness? They said, we're going to lie down and rest. I wonder if we in the church need our own lie flat movement. 
And so I want to talk about the commandment today. I want to talk about what it offers us and how we might understand it perhaps in a more modern and contemporary way. So number one, what is the origin of the commandment? Where does the commandment come from? Answer, it comes from the very being and nature of God himself. God is our rest. It says, keep this day holy, set it apart because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. So think about the creator of the heavens and the earth, God who is sufficient within himself. He didn't rest because he was tired. He didn't rest because he was worn out. Do not ascribe to God human constructs. God didn't have to rest. He rested because it was in his being. He rested because it's part of his nature to stop working, to stop producing and to reflect and to praise and to look upon what had been done to simply pause in terms of appreciation and gratitude. He stood back from what he had made. And when he rested, he said, wow, that's good. That is good. There was a sense of praise in it. And so what we learn, God, who has made us in his image, shows us that in our lives, the way you and I are going to find life is in a rhythm of work and rest, work and rest. We need to work. We need to be productive. We need to feel like we're making a contribution to the community around us. Absolutely. But we also need to rest. If all we do is work, we will exhaust ourselves. So there is this rhythm to work and rest. And we find it actually not in our beds, <laughs> We don't find it on vacation. We don't find rest in a place. We find it in a person. We find it in Jesus. And that takes me to Matthew eleven twenty five. We all know Matthew eleven twenty eight. I think, when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why did Jesus say that? Because we find our rest in him. But see, we don't know the preceding verses. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So what Jesus says before he says, come unto me, he says, all these notions of the Messiah, the one who would come to save and redeem. He said, you hid this from the wise and the learned. In the Old Testament, the coming Messiah is veiled. It's a little bit hidden. You see moments of the pre-existent Christ, but it's veiled. But then by the good pleasure of our God, what had been hidden becomes revealed to little children. And what is revealed, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, that Jesus is our rest. What was hidden but has now become known is that we don't find rest in places or things. We find our rest in a person. You know, one of my favorite and most cherished memories are of Christmas morning when my children were little. Why? Because as parents, many of us remember how we would buy good gifts for our children, the children that we loved. And then what would we do with them? We'd hide them. We'd hide them underneath boxes and bows and, and paper. And we'd put them under the tree. And our kids, in anticipation, they knew that we as their parents were going to give them good gifts. And what would they do? They'd go and they'd shake them. And their anticipation would grow. 
And then on Christmas morning, all that had been hidden became known. And when they tore that paper back and they found the good gifts, what happened in you? It was for your good pleasure. Your heart rejoiced at the joy that your children found. And friends, today, your heavenly father had hidden from the wise and the learned, but he's revealed it to his children. When you and I come in childlike faith and simplify life in such a way that we understand that our greatest need to rest from our labors and the weariness of heart that we feel is to the great pleasure of our God when he gives us Jesus. And Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. And in me, you find rest. It's not a place, it's a person. Rest is hidden in the nature and the character and the being of our God and we have access to it through his son and our savior, Jesus. So then number two, if our rest is found in the nature and character of God, then worship of our God must be part of our Sabbath experience, our Sabbath understanding. The verse says the Sabbath is always to be to the Lord. This is where you and I, when we come into this place, and I pray that it happens for all of you worshiping virtually with us as well. When we come into this place, you and I are reoriented. We get reoriented away from the notion that we must be great, that we must be sufficient, that we must be strong, that we must sit on the throne and we remember what we sang, how great thou art. This is where we come to sing and pray and confess that Lord, we've tried to usurp your power. And people guess what's wearing you out. The latent belief that you're in charge. The illusion that you actually have a whole lot more power to dictate and control outcomes than you actually do. But when we worship, every Sunday, you reorient your life away and you remember, oh, that's right. Lord, my life is in your hands that there is nothing I can do to actually save myself. That in my broken and unrepentant form in my heart, there is no good thing that I can accomplish. But oh Lord, through you, may I rest and trust in how you work in my circumstances. For again, you work all things together for good. For those that love you and who are called according to your purpose. So friends, we need this. You know, for several weeks, I've been talking about how important it is for us to be in embodied worship. And I know many of you are worshiping virtually because you have to, because you can't be in the presence of other people for health reasons and otherwise. And I totally understand that. But we need these experiences where together, we remember who we are. And more importantly, remember who God is. I will never forget when, when our kids were little, we had three kids that were three and under. And as you can imagine, that was a tremendous burden for me. I, I felt so tired all the, all the time, just keeping Lee propped up on the sofa and you know meeting her needs each day. Um, 
Yeah, that is funny. It was the opposite. Lee, you know, as a parent, especially moms, you sleep with one eye open. You don't ever really rest. But then this amazing thing would happen. There was a transformation that would come over my wife when her mother would come to visit. And it was like she put a sign on her forehead that said off duty. (laughs) And she would sleep the sleep of the dead. A train could have come through our bedroom and she would not have wakened. Why? But she, because she was completely and 100% secure that someone that she trusted was now in charge and that she could rest. My mom's here. My kids are safe. I can close my eyes. You come to worship and you realize my dad's here. I'm safe. I can trust him with my life. I can rest. But if you don't pause to worship, you'll never know that moment. You'll never know that blessing. You'll never know that gift. The Sabbath has to be to the Lord, to the Lord. Now, third, I want you to understand both the spirit and the letter of the law. So the letter of the law, we know in the Old Testament, in Jewish tradition, the Sabbath was always on the seventh day. To this day, Jewish tradition, they worship on Saturday. They are even some Christian traditions. The Seventh-day Adventist tradition, they worship on Saturday. In the first century, our Christian church forefathers decided that we would move from the last day of the week, the seventh day of the week, and we would move it to the first day of the week, Sunday. Why? Because that's the day of the Lord. It was the day of resurrection. It was the day that shifted our focus to Jesus. So we said, we want to make the cross and the resurrection the focus of our worship. So let's make it the priority. Let's worship on the first day, not the last day. So the letter of the law shifted a bit, but I want you to understand the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is this, have a day. Understand that there are a lot of us Case and Jack and Tanner and I, we don't worship on Sundays. We're working. My mind is so full of stuff on Sunday morning, I might get three minutes of worship of the Lord in a genuine way while I'm singing. But the rest of the time, my my head's spinning with all kinds of, I have to have another day. Many of you that work in healthcare or law enforcement or maybe in the entertainment industry, in the parks, Many people can't worship on Sunday, so God doesn't penalize you for that. But then the question becomes, and one of the big challenges of my life, is where do I find my Sabbath? Where do I find my rest? And that is one of the things that each and every day, it's not just we need to find a Sabbath once a week. Where do you find a Sabbath moment each day? Where do you find extended periods of Sabbath in the course of your year? Are you taking time off from your labors? And this is where I want you to understand the seriousness of the command. A lot of us think the word Sabbath has something to do with seven because Sabbath was on the seventh day. But here's what the word Sabbath literally means. To sever, to put an end to, to cease and desist, to put a stop to it. So the Lord literally gives us a command and he says, on the day when you stop it, 
It's to be to me. God is very, very serious about this. Think as parents how often you said this to your kids. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I knew it would make you nuts. Sometimes it's God's children. We keep doing the same thing over and over again, such that it leads us to darkness because we're not resting. We're not worshiping. We're not finding our rest in him. So he goes, stop. Remember, it's a very serious command. And then the fourth thing is the Sabbath is actually not just for you, but it's for all the people around you. And this is where I think we miss part of the truth of this command. Verse 10 says, on it, you shall not do any work. I think we get that. But then he keeps going, neither your son nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your animals. So what does that mean for us? The Sabbath isn't just for us going, oh, I need to find my rest in the Lord. I need to find places to find my Sabbath, understanding the concept. It also applies to all the people in your sphere of influence, which begs the question, here it is, who do you make tired? Right? By the way you live, who are you wearing out? And we had some pretty sobering moments on our staff. We went to a leadership conference a few years ago. And the person who was speaking, I don't remember who it was, but they said, if you're going to be a pastor, you have to create a sustainable pace of life, a sustainable pace of ministry. It's not a sprint in the church. It's a marathon. As you, as you know, First Pres is a pretty busy place. And so we came back and we made all kinds of changes about how you do weddings here, how you do special events here, how we manage our staff because we did not have a sustainable pace of life. We were wearing people out. Second example, when our kids were little and they were playing travel sports, all of a sudden we realized the tail was wagging the dog and our family was whipped. Who's in charge of your family? Is it your children or is it you? And so we had to take control back because we were exhausted chasing them around. Please do not believe the myth that your child has to play every season of travel sports, or if they don't, they will fall behind. <laughs> By whose standard? Fall behind what? And so our kids played travel ball, they did, but they just did it in the spring. And every other season we said, you get to pick one thing. You can take piano or you can play football, but you can't do both. You get to do one activity per season. Why? Because it's our responsibility as parents to live in a way that there's some Sabbath in this household. So friends, I ask you today, the people around you, your family, your coworkers, your spouse especially, who are you wearing out by virtue of how you live? And do you need to begin to make choices that allow other people to rest so that they can understand the joy therein, even as you bear witness to where that rest comes from in and through Jesus Christ. So I'll close with this. I'll never forget, it was Father's Day between 99 and 04 when I was in Fort Myers. And I've told you about Fort Myers before, I was tired all the time, there was no rest. And I remember on Father's Day, I got home from church. In those days, I preached four times. 
uh, I was a much younger man, and I, I came home having preached four times, and I'm whipped. And when I got home, there was a note on the door. And Lee had written, this is your Father's Day gift. And I opened the door, and she and all the kids were gone. To this very moment, I have no idea where they were. Doesn't matter. And the house was dark, and all the blinds were drawn, and the air conditioning was at 64. <laughs> and I went to the bedroom, and the covers were laid back and creased. And, and she, my gift was rest. And I took the Father's Day nap of all Father's Day naps because I knew I'm not going to be interrupted. Someone else has my kids. It's all good. It's a gift of rest. People, I pray that in the church especially, that we would start our own little protest against American culture, against the pressures that we feel. I pray that we would start our own little lie flat movement and to begin to find the gift that God had hidden, but is now revealed to his children in and through Jesus, that God is our rest. And we find it on the Sabbath day as we worship with his people, as we stop the ceaseless striving and we're still before him, resting from our labors and appreciating the goodness and the grace of our God. Lie flat, people and observe the Sabbath this day and every day. Let us pray. Lord, I know that there's so many people here this morning and they're just tired. They may be tired because of circumstances. They may be tired because of physical ailments that keep them from sleeping. They may be tired from the emotional burdens they carry. Lord, whatever the reason, I pray that they this morning would step down from the throne and they would step into your arms. And that as they feel the warmth of your embrace, that they would fundamentally change in their perspective. Lord, knowing that you are in charge that you're on the throne. And because they trust you, they can rest, they can worship, they can sing and praise and give you glory and honor. For in you, you have given the path of true life, a command, yes, but a command that leads not to burden, but the freedom of the Sabbath day that renews and restores us each one as we find our rest in you. Come, Lord Jesus, and teach us this day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.